Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 20 of The Weird Weird West. This page concludes chapter 9, entitled You're in the Army Now, from last page. And things are just getting real sad at this point. Things are getting real sad and real slow for our friends Ford's Furies. The pathetic story so far. The Furies got beaten up by the Crowsar again last time. And, um, well, I'll just I'll let the text tell you. If you were a grievously pummeled member of Forest Furies, here's what you would be experiencing as you wake up from yet another reptile-related beating. Quote, A group of ten Crozar soldiers leads you into one of the long prefabricated structures that make up the alien compound. As you are let in, you catch sight of many other prisoners of varying time periods and nationalities being brought in to join you. You and the other prisoners are forced into a huge room and seated in rows upon low benches. Next to you is a dragoon from the Napoleonic Wars. Behind you, two medieval English serfs and a Russian Cossack from Crimea. Soon, an alien steps forward and begins to speak. This is General Alzon. That's Alzon with two Zs. And Alzon is here to tell you that you are now all slave troopers. You are instructed to follow orders no matter what, and to follow the Crozar Code of Military Combat that we discussed last time. Never surrender, never retreat, and always follow orders. Yes, you are already ordered to follow orders, but you hadn't yet been ordered to follow orders the first time you got that order. Now that you've been ordered to follow orders, you are ordered to follow orders. So now it's official. This will stand up in Crozar court. It says back on page 19 that the Crozar don't really want slave soldiers, but they just need their numbers. They don't have enough soldiers to do what they want to do. However, quote, those captives who have been identified as a possible threat, which may include the heroes depending upon the outcomes of chapters 7 and 8, are each fitted with a special collar. So, Ford's Furies have these collars on. They have been nothing but trouble for the Crowsar, and vice versa, pretty much since Ford's Furies arrived in what is allegedly the Old West, although we've encountered nothing so far but lizard monsters. So, Ford's Furies have these constrictor collars. Their squad leader has a little remote control. And, quote, each collar can be set to inflict between shift zero and remarkable damage. The damage done by the collars is not affected by body armor or force fields and is automatically inflicted at the beginning of each round. This is huge. Automatically inflicted, no need to roll to attack, no need to aim, body armor doesn't matter, force fields don't matter. If the squad leader should decide to turn these things up to maximum power, Cub Scout would be down in two turns flat, Scoop and All Ears the turn after that, and the turn after that, Iron Blood would be down to 20 health. On turn 4, he would be down too, with no roll to hit and no ability to resist, in addition to whatever punishment the Crows are here could dish out. So these callers are extremely punishing. They're also made of monstrous strength material. So unless you're like Wonder Man or Hercules or Thor, you're not really getting these motherfuckers off. I mean, again, unless you're the Vision and you can turn intangible, and then the collar just drops to the ground and you go about your merry android way doing whatever you want, because that's what it's like to be the Vision in a role-playing game. But barring that, these collars are serious business. The only way to get these things off is with a key that is held by the squad leaders, the same ones who have the remote controls to constrict the collars and cause you, quote, unimaginable pain. So there are Ford's Furies, fitted with collars, thoroughly supervised, and then they're given a little lecture by General Alzon explaining, quote, the entire military situation in the area around Dodge City, 
He pretty much tells you everything about what the crows are, are up to, except he leaves out the part about the beta bomb. Now, that does mean that Ford's Furies don't know about the beta bomb yet because they were not able to look around the research shack, although they had like a weird out-of-body experience there where they <laughs> somehow noticed that there was a door they should probably go in for important information. But other than that, they don't have a clue about any of this. So all they know now is there's Alexander, there's Napoleon, there's Genghis Khan, they've all got their territory, and the crows are, are going to go and fight Alexander's people and fight their way up to the mountains. But the Furies don't know why at this point. This is where the judge is instructed to show the player characters the same map they would have gotten if they'd been able to search the research shack. So obviously, if nothing else, our heroes are excellent and attentive students and are really picking up a detailed geography of the area based on Alzon's instructions to the slave troopers. So you may be asking yourself at this point, uh, do we do anything in this scene? Or has the judge just herded us into a room so they can drop clues on our head? Mostly the latter, but there are options here. I mean, you could do something. Quote, break out? Question mark. The heroes might try to break out at this point. There are 20 Crozar soldiers and 20 other captives present. Use any spare interior map to play out the combat. If the heroes begin a fight, roll a d10 on each round after the first to see how many of the other captives will join in the struggle against the aliens. Assume that each of the captives has the same statistics as the typical soldier found in the back of the judge's book. It goes on to say that if you start a fight, the squad leaders will activate the collars, they'll start at good, then go up to excellent, then go to remarkable for every turn thereafter. At that rate, it would take three rounds to take out Cub Scout, not including the damage that he takes from trying to fight 20 goddamn Crozar. And that's if he were at full health, which he almost certainly isn't. Uh, that is the dumbest thing on this page. You have to look at this page in context. You have to look at it in terms of the structure of the adventure. And Ford's Furies really help with this. They've had a pretty miserable time of it, haven't they? Like, here are the misfits and the secret zoomers sneaking around, pulling off diversions. Glass Cannon is out there with lasers bouncing off her, just tossing around lizard people. The secret zoomers are, you know, lined up and watching a dramatic meeting between a hooded figure and the leader of the Crows are. Meanwhile, Ford's Furies have been through nothing but dead ends and grueling, disastrous combats. Presumably, these players thought they were going to get to have some Old West hijinks, but no, not if you take this path through the adventure especially. If it hadn't been for that one precious glimpse of Dodge City that Ford's Furies got when they first stepped out of their time machine, they probably wouldn't even think they were on Earth. They would probably think they were on the fucking planet of the crows are, because that dinosaur was like no dinosaur that has ever existed on Earth. Then the first thing they run into is crows are doing a science experiment. After that, a crows are camp. And now they're in a slave army where all the humans have been enslaved by crows are. First, they fought four crows are. Then they fought 10 crows are. Now they're fighting 20 crows are. If they did poorly on the history quiz and like the number puzzle at the beginning, especially... This truly could be like the fifth ass kicking that these characters have gotten. And they're still failing downward. They're still like falling through this plot down the loser's path. And every time their reward for failing a combat is just more and more fucking lizard people. At this point, Ford's Furies are reduced to being outnumbered five to one and locked up in unbreakable killer shock collars. And another big thing to consider here is I was saying like Cub Scout, there's no way he's at full health. That's because of the healing rules in this game which are definitely not designed for the concept of the, like, adventuring day. So per the tropes of superhero combat, you can get slammed around in combat, you can get stunned in combat and just sort of knocked out for a few rounds with no permanent harm done, that sort of thing. And if edged weapons or guns are involved, you can also get outright killed in very lethal superhero combat in this game. Assuming that none of those things decide the outcome of a battle, then it sort of defaults to D&D-style hit point attrition. An attack does an amount of damage, you mark that damage off when you're down to zero health, then you fall unconscious. 
at that point, you make an endurance feat. And if you do poorly on that endurance feat, you're going to start to lose endurance ranks. This basically means that you're dying. You lose one endurance rank per turn. And when you get down below shift zero endurance, which is like two below feeble, right? Like you've hit zero endurance and then you lose more, then you're dead dead. There are a number of ways to stop this. If you're given help, you know, if somebody checks on you, gives you some first aid or whatever, then you stay unconscious for a matter of hours, but then eventually do wake up. You don't die. And similarly, if you do well on your endurance feat when you hit zero health, then you just get KO'd and then you wake up with a number of health equal to your endurance rating. So to take Cub Scout, for example, the orneriest of Ford's Furies, and therefore I think the most likely to be thoroughly beaten down, in combination with the fact that the Neural Stunner won't work well on him because of his very high psyche, he's got too much willpower to stay down. So he's really going to have to be nickel and dimed into unconsciousness with those little blasters and lasers that the Crows are carry. Cub Scout's got 60 health, and he's got 10 endurance. So once his 60 health are depleted, he either starts losing endurance ranks and dying, or he falls unconscious, and then wakes up in like 1 to 10 rounds with 10 health remaining. He gets a number of health equal to his endurance back. And it doesn't even take that long for him to start getting health back. But there's a caveat. Uh, here I quote from the Advanced Players book, page 32. Quote, 10 turns after a character takes damage, that's about a minute, he regains health equal to the endurance rank number, provided the character is not knocked unconscious. This recovery only applies if the character is not further damaged within that time period. And here's the important part. Recovery may only take place once per day. So Cub Scout, after getting his ass kicked to the point of death, wakes up in like six seconds to a minute or whatever it is with 10 health. He then gets 10 more health back like a minute later, assuming this is the first time this has happened today. That is not the point in his pathetic story where we join our short furry hero. We join him at the tail end, if you'll pardon the expression, of his fifth ass kicking of the day. There's no more recovery. So he wakes up with 10 hit points from his, you know, second ass kicking of the day, let's say from the scientist Crozar after the initial ass kicking at the hands of the dinosaur, assisted by getting banged around the time ship, probably. When Cub Scout wakes up from that second ass kicking in the desert, he's got 10 hit points. He's staying there. They take him to the Crozar camp. He's still got 10 hit points. They drag him in front of the mind probe. He's still got 10 hit points. It's no wonder, then, that Ford's Furies lose their fight against the 10 Crozar in the mind probe room. Cub Scout's got 10 hit points, and the others aren't doing too much better. He gets knocked the fuck out, right? It doesn't take much. It takes like one blaster shot from that pathetic blaster. He's down. If he's lucky and he doesn't start dying at this point, he wakes up in, again, six seconds to a minute or whatever it is, with 10 hit points again. And he's stuck there. The next time he gets in a fight, he's going to get his ass kicked again because he's got 10 hit points. Now, he can heal as opposed to recovery, but this takes hours, and those have to be hours where you don't take damage. You always measure that hour from the last time you took damage, right? So if this team was real smart and they took a nap after they fought that dinosaur, then maybe they're doing a little better now. If the players were not thinking in those terms, they were not thinking about like, you know, let's take out our tent and take a D&D &D style rest, and they went right on to encounter the Crozar in the desert... It's just been beating after beating since then, which means the clock keeps resetting on getting more HP back. He's had maybe three points in the adventure so far where he's had to make an endurance roll to avoid, like, dying of blood loss, and he's really had no opportunity to stop except that one golden moment after the dinosaur fight where if he was a real smart little wolf cub, he could have said, listen, I have to take a nap. <laughs> I know it's exciting. There are fucking cave dwellers fighting astronauts out there on the horizon, there are tanks, there are airplanes, there are rocket ships. There are some Chinese people out there who I somehow know are diplomats. 
And we're in the environment of Dodge City, so there's even a possibility at some point that we might run into an actual cowboy in this cowboy adventure. But I just have to sleep. After the time ship plus the dinosaur, I have to take a nap. If he really put his little paw down about that and took a nap, then good for him. But if he didn't, everything else, like, you get there on the time ship, no matter how beat up you are, you've got to go help the guy in the crater. Then once you move on and you meet the crows are in the desert with the science project, they take you to camp, right? They're not going to let you stop for a nap in the desert. You get taken immediately to the mind probe. You've got to take action immediately in the mind probe, or you're going to get your fucking mind probed. Then, whether you escape or are captured or they finish the questioning or whatever happens in the mind probe, you're immediately shipped to the slave army, which desperately needs people. Time doesn't pass. They just immediately start indoctrinating you. They need you right away. Now, if you're playing Cub Scout, you're looking at the prospect of another brutal beating, this time by 20 lizard people, while simultaneously being choked by remote control. You're probably wondering at this point, as the player, at what point do you hit bottom? And that's really the dumbest thing on this page. Probably here or the previous scene should have been about, like, the floor. At this point, it's like Little League Baseball. It's like when one team is winning by 100 points, let's just all shake hands. Let's move on. We don't need to run up the score like this on little kids, and we don't need to run up the score like this on Wolf Cub. How many times are you going to nearly kill this poor little wolf boy man in one fucking afternoon? Well, we're not done yet. If Ford's Furies pick a fight here, thinking, well, maybe these other captured people will help me, and then they roll the d10, and it's like, great, one of the ten captured soldiers joins in your struggle. The other nine work with the 20 crows are, and you are shot by 29 lasers and choked out. Congratulations. If that happens, quote, if the heroes don't try anything or try to break out and fail, proceed to chapter 10. It also says if the heroes manage to escape at this point, make sure they overhear somebody talking about there being evidence about a temporal disturbance located in the research shack back at camp. Um, so very odd, like shop talk by the Crozar soldiers here in the slave trooper squads. You're marching around in the miserable desert and one of your Crozar overseers says to the other, can you remind me? It's really bugging me. Where do we keep our inconclusive research about the nature of these temporal disturbances? Why, I believe that would be the research shack. Yes, the research shack, of course. That was the sound of a lizard slapping his forehead. Of course, the research shack. I should have thought of that. The isolated shack over toward the north of the camp. The one by the giant invisible tree. Yes, that's the one. Right, right, right. Thank you. That was going to bug me all day. You're a pal. Shall we choke that little wolf together? Yes, let's do. Beep, beep, beep. That's what's happening in this scene. The planet of the crows are fucking sucks. But Ford's Furies are not done with it yet. Join me next time when the battered champions of Gerald Ford finally meet their salvation in the most frustrating way possible on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening.